and we will be reading chapters 1 through 20. <laughs> I'm joking. That was a joke. I wanted to see Montreal's face. But we'll be in Luke 18. Luke 18. I remember in the Philippines, I was really craving American food one day. And I saw this small village, I was in this small village, and I saw this small hamburger vendor. So I was so happy. I was finally about to have some American food. So I walked over, I handed them the money, and I um, just waited for my burger to come. Then I got the burger, I unwrapped it, and lo and behold, it was two pieces of bread and ham, like lunch meat ham. It wasn't a hamburger, it was lunch meat ham. So I got what I paid for. And I say all that to say, I'm not, I'm not a preacher or I'm not a pastor, and I don't even play, play one on TV. So I'm just, I'm just letting you guys know in advance, you might get what you paid for. <laughs> but also, I want to assure each and every one of you guys, Joe said these, this long list of things about me, but I'm actually a dirty piece of trash, saved by grace. Amen? Amen. If someone ever comes up to you and say, you know, that Jaden guy is pretty good. Do a 180 and run. He's lying. And he's dangerous. And with that, I think we need to pray. Dear God, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your son saving us from our sins, dear God. Thank you, Lord, for this new year that is coming, dear God. We pray that um, you can speak through me this um, time, and it won't be my words, but your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, forgive me, I'm, I'm sick, so I might sound funny. I sound funny, period, but it might sound more funny. Um, so Luke 18, verse 18 through 23. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. <clears throat> Did you hear the one about the young man who asked a rabbi, why are you always answering a question with a question? To which he, to which he replied, why not? Do you think the rabbi is on to something? What makes questions so powerful? What does a question do that a mere statement could never accomplish? Why do questions change lives? Could it be that we always answer a question honestly to ourselves, even if we answer it dishonestly to others? Do you think that's true? Do you want to find out? When was the last time you lied? You do realize that it still counts as a lie, even if it's not a bold lie, but a misdirection. 
When, when, when was the last time you presented a different reality than the true reality? Is it because you don't like the reality that God has given you? When was the last time you took something that was not yours or used something without asking? Do you find it difficult to be around? Do you find it difficult to be content with what God has given you? Who in your life do you find it difficult to be around because you really want what they have? Do you secretly believe that God loves them more than he loves you and they are real Christians and you are not? When was the last time you undressed someone with your eyes or formed an emotional attachment that is wrong? Do you have an imagination that you will be embarrassed if your parent or child or friend could see, and yet does it not bother you that God sees? What does that say about what you think of God? Do you really love God? Is that evident in the way that you speak of him? Or do you even speak of him to others? When was the last time that you gossiped? Do you enjoy destroying people's reputation? I mean, do you enjoy gossiping, that is? Do you respect your parents? Do you just realize that I just worked through some of the Ten Commandments? Did we uncover more sin in our soul with questions than we would have if we just read each statement? What do we do with that sin? Do you try to cover it deep in your heart when no one can find it? Do we truly understand the seriousness of our sin? Do we need to have Montreal lead us in another time of confession? That was a joke. <laughs> Are you at peace with your sin? Are you at peace with sin in your life? Are you trying to live comfortable with sin? There was a Canadian man. Is, is anyone Canadian here? Yeah. I don't want to make fun of people if you're Canadian. Oh. Um, okay, I'm sorry. But <laughs> there, there, is, there was a Canadian man who adopted a baby tiger. He was at peace with this tiger and grew comfortable around this tiger. Sadly, after the tiger grew to be 666 pounds, the tiger killed his owner while he was trying to feed him. This man was at peace with something that, was want, that wanted to kill him. This man was at peace with the very thing that wanted to take his life. Friends, from a spiritual point of view, this story is not uncommon. We humans tend to be at peace with the very thing that is trying to kill us, which is sin. We humans are so used to sin that we are at peace with it. We need to wake up from the seriousness of our sin. I need to wake up from the seriousness of my sin. Friends, I would be lying to you if I told you that sin does not want to destroy you like that tiger. Brothers and sisters, we we, do we truly understand the seriousness of our sin? Since sin is serious, therefore, we must not be at peace with the sin in our lives. Since sin is serious, therefore, we must not be at peace with the sin in our lives. My first point is, we cannot ignore our sin. Whether we are saved or unsaved, we cannot ignore our sin. We cannot be at peace with our sin. The text shows us the danger in ignoring our sin. In this narrative, we have a ruler 
who come to Jesus to ask him a question. He asked Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? So the question on the table is salvation. Jesus responds in verse 20. The ruler said, all these I have kept from my youth. But let's, but let's look at verse 20. Jesus says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. So he said, do not commit adultery, which is, wait, he said, do not murder, which is the sixth commandment. He said, do not commit adultery, which is the seventh commandment. He said, do not steal, which is the eighth commandment. He said, do not bear false witness against your neighbor, which is the ninth commandment. And finally, he said, honor your father and mother, which is the fifth commandment. So Jesus asked the person, have you followed the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth commandments? Commandments 5 through 10 all deals with how we should love our neighbor as ourselves. 1 through 4 talks about how we should love God. 5 through 10 talks about how we should love our neighbor. So essentially, Jesus was asking, have you perfectly loved your neighbor? And the ruler flat out said, yes. He was, at, he was clearly ignoring his sin. Why? Because he, he grew to be at peace with the sin in his life. Friends, are we doing the same? Some of the questions that I asked in the beginning of the sermon are the questions that Jesus asked the ruler. How did we do it in answering those questions? If you are saying, I have never did any of those things since my youth, then you are ignoring your sin. Brothers and sisters, we cannot ignore our sin. We cannot be at peace with our sin. Why? Because sin is out to, to destroy every aspect of our lives. Sin depresses our hearts and steals our happiness. Sin defiles our spirits and destroys our testimony and witness. Sin dirties our soul and dominates our minds. Sin mars our image and satters or breaks our reputation. Sin breaks our hearts and ruins our friendships. Do we, do we understand the seriousness of our sin or do we tend to ignore the sin in our lives? Some of us here might be saying, well, I tend to only sin in my mind. I don't commit acts and sins. I just sin with my thoughts, so I'm, I'm okay. Friends, do not buy this lie. Sin is sin. Sin in the mind, even if not expressed in outward behavior, is still sin. Dr. Mark Deckard, a Christian professor and author, states in his book, sin is never trivial because no matter how small, it points us back to the unmortified sinful nature within us. Sin is never trivial because no matter how small, it points us back to the unmortified sinful nature within us. The sinful nature that is striving to kill and destroy every good aspect of our lives. One of the hardest things about the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus basically called every, every human a murderer. The only difference is some use guns and knives, others use the hatred in our hearts and our minds. Brothers and sisters, we cannot ignore our sin. Instead, we must put to death our sin. John Owen, a Puritan pastor, wrote, do we mortify our sin? Do we, do we make it our daily work? Be always at it while you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Do we truly believe that? A long time ago, there was the church that was on fire for God. 
Many people were coming to Christ. Some members of the church sold their own homes and gave the money to the church to, to, to provide for the less fortunate. However, there was this one married couple in the church. This couple decided to sell their home, keep a portion of the money for themselves, while giving the rest to the church. Now, there's nothing wrong about this. There's nothing wrong with selling your home and keeping a portion of the money for yourself. There's, there's nothing wrong with giving money to the church, especially the garden church. <laughs> However, we find out later that this couple told the leader of the church that they gave the entire amount of money from the house to the church, when in reality they kept some for themselves. See, they lied. Their love for money caused them to, to sin by lying. The story ends by both the wife and husband dropping dead and because they lied to the leader of the church. Now, I'm not saying if you lie, you're going to drop dead. What I'm saying is the story paints a picture of the seriousness of sin. The story shows us why we cannot trivialize the sin in our lives because if, we, if the sin in our lives is not taken care of, then it will lead to death. Now, on a side note, too, the story of Ananias and Sapphira is also a story of grace. The Bidi Abriwe said, we usually look at Ananias and Sapphira and wonder why God killed them, but, in, but, we, should be, but we should be pondering why are we still alive after all the things that we have done. I've done worse things than lie to Pastor Joe. Speaking of lying, I told him I want to preach this sermon, but I'm, I don't. I'm a nervous wreck of here. And speaking of lying, the rich young ruler lied too. See, check this out. The ruler is trivializing his sin before God and lies. And what happened next? He walks away from eternal life. Do you see the irony in this? In the beginning, he wanted to know how to have eternal life. And his ignoring of sin caused him to walk away from the only person who could have given him eternal life. Some of you, might, some of you here might see the seriousness of your sin. You might see how it can lead to death. And you might be asking, how do I take care of the sin in my life? Well, you're in for a treat. I'm going to sing you a song. Stop and let me tell you what the Lord can do for you. Stop and let me tell you what the Lord can do for you. He can, wait, what can he, what can, what can he do for you? He'll forgive your sins. He can save your soul. He'll cleanse your heart. He can make you whole. Stop and let me tell you what the Lord can do for you. I, I asked Pastor Joe, could I do a special music in church one day? And he said he'll pray about it. In the Christian language, I'll pray about it means no. In Greek, it means absolutely not. So I had to get my soul in somehow. But we do want Eric and Joe and Montel to sing more in our sermons, right? Amen. Amen. But, but in our services, how can we take care of our sin? Well, let's look at Luke 18, 18 through 23. My first point was we cannot ignore our sin. My second point is we cannot earn salvation. So by ourselves, we cannot take care of our sin. We need someone to save us from our sins. So what is going on here? Verse 18 said, 
And the ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So what is going on here? The very first verse should set off red flags. The ruler asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Let's focus on that word inheritance. Can everyone say inheritance? Inheritance. My dad told me that my inheritance is all of his debts and loans over his life. (laughs) My dad is actually here, so... (laughs) But what do we know about an inheritance? We know that an inheritance is not worked for. It is not earned by doing something, but it is given. So first, an inheritance is given, not earned. Also, we know that an inheritance, that in order for an inheritance to be given, one must die. This is important to see because if salvation or eternal life is being taught as an inheritance in scripture, then number one, scripture is teaching that A, we cannot work for salvation, and B, someone must die in order for salvation to be given. Therefore, it is important to note that Jesus is not teaching a work-based salvation here in this passage. He's not teaching if we humans follow the law or the commandments, then we will, be, then we will have eternal life. So if, you're, if you are not a Christian, I want you to listen and know that the Bible is not teaching if you follow the law or be a good person, then you will be with God in heaven. But let me say this to the Christian also. What does mean, let me say this to the non-Christian also. What does it mean that the God of the universe made laws for you to follow? That must mean that God cares about you. God is not some far-off abstract being that does not care about you. God cares about you and, how he, and God cares about how, how you live your life. But going back to the text, the commandments cannot save us. If you were to die and you stood before God and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? If, if you say because I try to follow the law, you won't be getting in. Well, some might be saying, if that's the case, then why is Jesus giving verse 20 as his answer? Well, I remember talking to Joe about how to effectively evangelize in our neighborhood. He said one of the biggest challenges is trying to convince or show people who think that they are saved that they actually are not saved. Jesus here is doing just that. He is showing this man that he is not saved. Jesus is simply using the law to show this man that he is not saved. Romans and Galatians show us that the law was never intended to save us because we humans cannot follow the law perfectly. But the law was intended to show us that we need a savior from our sins. And Jesus was showing the man that by saying the law. Jesus said in verse 22, to sell The man was saying that he was following all the laws perfectly, but was he really? Jesus said in verse 22, to sell what you possess and come follow me. After hearing this, this man left sorrowfully. See, he was not following all the commandments. Someone, what are the first commandments? Anyone? Um, You shall have no other gods before me. This This man's God was his possession. Jesus showed the man that he was putting his possessions before God. Thus, he was not following the law, but actually breaking the law. James 2.10 states, If a man or a person breaks one part of the law, then he, then he has broken all parts of the law. Now, I want to be clear. The Bible is not saying we need to live a life of poverty to be saved. The gospel is not that you have to give all your money if you want to be saved. However, we do have to give up something. We must give up our sinful lifestyle, 
We must repent from our sinful past lifestyle and cling to Christ. It's just that in this certain scenario, with this certain person, the sinful lifestyle that he had to give up was his lifestyle of loving God, of loving his possessions more than God. The ruler had to choose whether he would put God first in his life or put his false God of, of materialism first in his life. And today we must choose to either put God first in our lives or put our false God first in our lives. If you are a believer, you know this to be true, and you, and you have put your trust in Christ. So what do we do now? We continue to fight the sin in our lives by living in faith. Believers, this is how we get serious about our sin. We fight. Singles, through the power of the Holy Spirit, fight the sin in your lives. Fight the unbiblical thoughts of being unwanted and know that you are children of God. Singles, when in the midst of loneliness, fight Satan's temptation to turn to sinful temporal vices and not Christ. Children who are saved, ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength to continue to love to obey your parent or love classmates who give you a tough time or to overcome pure pressure. Married couples, fight sin as one. You won't, you won't guess this, but I'm actually a mushy-gushy, lovey-dovey, touchy-filly type of guy. It's just that, never mind, just forget that I said that. But it is something about the human touch that makes it hard to be angry at a person. So married couples, fight confessing your sin like this. Who can I pick on? <laughs> Kisa, you know I love you. I love you when I said I do. And I love you now. But you make me so upset when you leave the toilet seat up. May you please help me fight my anger by not leaving the toilet seat up. Something as simple as that. I'm, I'm not married to her. But <laughs> I mean, I'm not married, so I don't know what goes on in marriages, but... Something as simple as that can be so far in marriage to help us fight sin in our lives. But where am I? So Mary Kepwoods, practice confessing your sin to one another. If you are here today and not a believer, you must know that not only can you not earn salvation by following the law or being a good person, but also the consequence of breaking the law is judgment by God's eternal wrath. So you might be saying, okay, I, have, I, I know I have broken the law. I know I cannot earn salvation. So what hope do I have? Well, the good news, there is good news. The good news is found in Christ's response. See, after this um, conversation, there are people who are saying, if this outwardly holy ruler cannot make it to heaven, then who can? I know I can't. But Jesus said, look what Jesus said in verse 26 and 27. He said, those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. It is, impo it is impossible for man to earn salvation. But with God, mankind can be saved. My first point was, we cannot ignore our sin. Second was, we cannot earn salvation. Point three is, God earn salvation for us, for sinners. I believe Jesus is showing that salvation is only through him. The question that he put before us is, do we understand the seriousness of our sin? If we do, 
we understand that God's wrath is on sin, that God's wrath on sin will not go unanswered. God's wrath on sin will destroy all those who are living in sin. However, salvation from God's wrath is only found through Jesus Christ. Jesus is using verse 20 to point, him, to, point to himself as the one and only Savior who can save you from the wrath of God. Look at verse 20. Who is the only person who has never committed murder, physical or emotional, with hatred? Who is the only person who has never committed adultery of any kind, emotional, physical, or spiritual? Who is the only person who has never stolen? Who is the only person to never bear false witness? Who is the only person to perfectly honor their father and mother their whole life? Brothers and sisters, there has not been a single second on earth where any of us has perfectly loved God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and has perfectly loved our neighbor as ourselves. But the good news is there has not been a single second on earth where Jesus did not perfectly love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength and his neighbor as himself. Unbeliever, you might be saying, that's nice that Jesus was perfect and all, but what does, that, what does that have to do with saving me from God's wrath? Well my, well, my friends, as you saw from the introduction of the sermon, we are far from perfect. We have fallen short of God's standard, and God's wrath will punish all those who are in unbelief, who die in unbelief. However, the good news is Jesus was perfect. And because of what the perfect Jesus did on the cross, we can now be saved from God's wrath, from all of our sins, past, present, and future. How is this so? Well, there's a big word called propitiation. Can everyone say that? Propitiation. I don't think I said it right, but... I'll explain it to you like this. We have a house, we have a lightning rod, and we have lightning. So we humans, we are the house. And since we have broken God's law, he must punish us because he is holy. The lightning is God's wrath. But as he sends lightning to the house to destroy us, Jesus offers himself as a lightning rod, and Jesus receives the punishment for sin and not us. He takes all the lightning, all of God's wrath for our, for our sins and not us. And, Jesus, and since Jesus did that for you and for me, we are able to be saved by believing that Jesus actually did that for us. Unbelievers, if you are serious about your sin, then you must believe this. Funny story. I, 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 when I, the very first time I went to the Philippines, I tried to use this lightning rod analogy with the Filipinos. And they, looked at me, and they looked at me like I was crazy. And then it dawned on me that these people live in bamboo houses in the middle of an island. They have no idea what a lightning rod is. So one of the other students explained propitiation like this. Where's Casey at? There, Casey. Let's say Casey had been a bad boy. So God must spank Casey for being a bad boy, for breaking his law. So God takes his belt, he pulls down Casey's pants, and he's about to beat Casey. And if Casey get beat, he's dead. There's no coming back from this butt weapon. But, but at the last second, Jesus comes, puts the kisses out the way, pulls down his pants, and takes the spanking for Casey and dies. Then Jesus rises from the dead, which means God accepted Jesus' sacrifice at good enough to pay for the price of Casey's sins. 
And then one of the Filipinos said, so Jesus paid the price so I would not have to? And I was like, yes, the, ana- the analogy works. Praise God for butts. <laughs> Praise God for the butt of Jesus. So if your butt helped you to share the gospel, then use it. But uh, forget that. But honestly, brothers and sisters, we are the house. The lightning is God's wrath heading towards us. And Christ is the lightning rod that took, the, that took God's wrath for us. If you are in Christ, there is no wrath for your sins. You are saved. If you are not in Christ, God's wrath is still heading your way. And once it hits, it will be too late to turn to Christ. And you will spend eternity in hell. Friends, if you have not truly confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior, then I urge you today, turn from your sins and believe in Christ. Jesus, dies, Jesus, death, had paid for every, Jesus death had paid the price for every sin. Jesus died for our stealing. He died for our hatred. He died for our adultery. He died for our abortion. He died for our pornography use. He died for our pride, our lust, and drunkenness. He died for, my, for, our, um, for our idolatry, our sexual immorality, our impurities. He died for our sinful anger and our failures as a parent or spouse. He died for the, for the rebellion of a child. He died for our hypocrisy and gossiping. Jesus died for our drug addiction. He died for our murdering and killing. He died for our lying and perversion. Jesus died for it all. Jesus' sacrifice covered every sin, past, present, and future. The question is, do you truly believe this to be true for you? Have you placed your trust in Christ and made him the Lord and Savior of your life? I truly, I truly, I truly love each and every one of you guys. Therefore, I want to be real with you guys. Is that okay? There's not a single person in this room who is stupid. None of you guys are dumb. Therefore, each one of you know for sure if you have truly placed your trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Making Christ Lord is daily striving to put every aspect under your life, every aspect of your life under the rule of Scripture. That means our physical life, our emotional life, our sexual, mental, and spiritual life should be under the rule of Christ. If you, have, if you are here today and you know that you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, then ask yourself, why not? What is stopping you from giving your life to Christ? For me, it was my hatred. I hated God, I hated my parents, and I hated many others. And I, and I had to repent from that hatred and believe in Christ. What is it for you? An unhealthy relationship? A controlling substance? Pride? The idea, of having to, 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 the idea of having to submit your life to God? Aussie Spurs once said that God's patience is designed to lead us to repentance, not to lead us to become bolder in our sins. Unbeliever, are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Leave behind your, your regrets and mistakes. Come today. There's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness what bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. For the ones who are in this room who know that they have believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, my question for us is, is there a sin that we are holding on to? Are we playing too close to the fire, 
thinking that we will not get burned. Whatever that sin may be, I urge you to make a spirit-led effort to fight that sin daily. John Owen said, to not fight our sin is to be at peace with our sin. And to be at peace with our sin is to have no concern for your well-being of your spiritual life. Friends, are we at peace with the line of sin or are we at peace with the one true line from Judah who killed sin? The young ruler was in the presence of God and he walked away to be at peace with his sin. Friend, let's do the opposite. Let's walk away from our sin and stay in the presence of God. Oh, how wonderful it is to be at peace with God. Let's pray.